Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Steve Barry fans have a brand new Cotton Malone thriller now on bookshelves and virtual bookstands everywhere. I recently talked with Barry about his latest novel, The Kaiser's Web. Steve, this one certainly begins in fine Cotton Malone fashion with Cotton and his girlfriend and fellow adventurer, uh, Cassiopeia, jumping out of a stolen airplane using a single parachute while on the run from government authorities. Stuff happens to them. <laughs> Stuff happens. And, uh, uh, yeah, I ended the last book on a little bit of a, of a cliffhanger, and then I picked up this book at the same moment. So I've done that a couple once before, so it was a little fun here. And they get caught up in, in, in the German national elections. There's two candidates vying for the chancellorship of Germany. And, and running for public office in Germany is very different than running for public office here. So the reader is going to learn about how that works actually over there. But each of the candidates and the, the two candidates in the race have a secret. And the secrets are intertwined. And Cotton gets caught up in these secrets. And they all emanate out of World War II. And what happened in the Fuhrer bunker on the night of April 30th, 1945. Now, this is not a book about Hitler surviving the war or anything like that. He's clearly dead in the novel. But it is a book about someone else who was in the bunker that night, someone who did leave the bunker and disappeared from history from that point on. And that was Martin Bormann. Mm -hmm. And Bormann had put something in place at the end of 1944, something that's real, something that actually is true. I stumbled across it in research a few years ago, and that something is going to factor into the German national elections and, and really determine things. So Cotton gets caught up in a race for that. So much has been written. There's a lot of supposition and what happened to Hitler and what happened to Eva Braun. Uh, Braun features prominently in this storyline of, of this adventure in that she was able to escape Nazi Germany to other parts of the globe. Separate the fact from the fiction. Here's the thing. We have no earthly idea what happened in that bunker on the night of April 30th, 1945. Uh, we, we, we have no clue. The one book that's regarded as the, the authoritative of it, uh, uh, Trevor Roper's book that was published in after the war, relied on faulty information. He, 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 didn't, he used interviews of people who had every um, interest in every every you know, incentive to lie. Uh, once the Soviet Union fell in the 1990s, we got we got access to new documents, new things. So we really don't have any idea. Hitler's body was never found. Eva Braun's was never found. No remains were ever found or identified. The best theory is the Soviets did find them, took the bodies, hid them, buried them off somewhere else because Stalin wanted to keep everyone off guard. But again, we don't know that either. We simply don't know. I didn't go there with Hitler. I, I left it alone. I said he's dead and he's gone. Braun was a, a footnote to history, and she's a fascinating character, actually. And she hated Martin Bormann with a passion. So it was fun to try to put these two together because they, they, they didn't really care for each other. Uh, and the, the, the novel deals with what Bormann put in place that would occur after the war. Bormann realized by mid-1944 the war was over and he was, the Germany was gonna lose. And he put in place some plans, and these are real, and these are, these are plans that to this day we don't know how successful they might have been. And this novel is going to explore all that in some interesting places too, southern uh, mm -hmm. Argentina and Chile, which is a, a, an area quite 
mysterious and fascinating that, that Germans flocked to after the war, uh, South Africa, then over to Switzerland and back to Germany. So there's a, there's, a, there's a good bit of a traveling in this book for those of us who have been kind of locked down for a while. Early on in this process, this tangled web gets unleashed as we find out by uh, one of the candidates vying for chancellor of Germany. There are a number of different documents that come into play in the storyline early on that indicate there was a Russian spy buried deep within the Third Reich. Is there any historical fact to that plot twist? Not fact per se. There's a historians tend a lot of historians tend to think and there and believe that the Soviets had a spy in the bunker, and they had someone deep inside the bunker. Uh, the the, the the leak basically is what they uh, the dust leak is what they called it. And uh, there's a, there's a a lot of historians believe that, and they believe that the, that Stalin had information that. You know, confirm to him what happened, and Stalin wanted to keep the West off guard. So when he when he took the bunker and he found the two bodies, he we do know that um, in it's in the novel, but I can't remember when in the mid 70s, early 70s, uh, the Soviets did go out and dig up all of the graves where Goebbels' family and all of those were eventually put. Those those graves were dug up and those remains were destroyed again and reburied somewhere else. So they 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 went to a lot of trouble for uh, <laughs> why you know it's a lot of lot of trouble there for for something. It could have just been deception, uh, but the point is, is that we just don't know, and that's what makes it fun for me, because then I can do whatever I want with it. You mentioned the, the backdrop of this story provides a, a fantastic travel log, but there seems to be historical significance for all of these waypoints, from Germany to Chile to South America. Well, the connections are, are there. You know, Germans flocked to southern Argentina and Chile after the war, and that was not by accident. That was a plan. It was a plan put in place, and it's real, and it actually occurred and happened. So there's a very huge German population in southern Argentina. Southern Argentina looks very much like southern Germany. It looks like you're in the Alps in Bavaria down there. So they felt very at home there. South Africa was another place where uh, a lot of Germans fled to because Germans had fled there in the early part of the 20th century as well. South Africa was sort of insulated. The war didn't really it wasn't it wasn't very prevalent there so they could they could melt away and to disappear. We didn't have the internet there. We didn't have cable news. We didn't have all those things that you could actually disappear. And uh, those all intrigued me of how you do that. And how would a man like Martin Bormann have dealt with that? We are very fortunate that Bormann wasn't running Germany. He was Hitler's personal secretary, and he had a lot of power, but he wasn't in ultimate charge. If he had it been, we could have been in a lot worse trouble, because this guy was very smart, very clever, very cunning. And he wasn't the, the, the fool and the idiot that Hitler was. Hitler was, you know, pedantic and a narcissist and, you know, did, wasn't a very good military commander and not all that good a political leader. Uh, but Bormann was all of those things. Mm. And uh, he would have been in a lot more trouble for us. Yeah, his moral compass seemed to be pretty warped as well. He had none. He was amoral. He had, he had no value system whatsoever. The whole backdrop of this is with, with so many of your, of your, of your novels, uh, kind of, juxtapositions, the, the, almost kind of the current geopolitical 
um, structure on it. We see this kind of unfold throughout the book between these two candidates running for, for German chancellor and how the message and the image is, is being being framed. And, and I think in, the, in some of the notes, maybe in the back, in, in the back of the book, you talk about how how the the new kind of ultra right is kind of realigning in in, in parts of, of Europe. It is the, the new right is what they call it. This is not a it's not a conservative movement. It's it's a new right. The new right is a much more radical movement, and it's very prevalent in Europe and it's rising, particularly in Germany. It's it's getting it's gaining more and more traction I, now. Uh, a lot of people are going to say, you know, this book is, well, you know, you're, you're just talking about current things out there. People are going to have to realize I wrote this book two years ago. So, uh, you know, when I wrote this two years ago, obviously in the last two years things have even gotten a little bit worse in that regard. Nationalism in Europe is very different than nationalism here in this country because over there you have all of these countries that have a long, long cultural and social history bound together over there side by side and this nationalism gets very prevalent over here we have 50 states but we don't have 50 countries we have one country and it's very different over there and the new right is becoming more and more dangerous and this book explores the rise of the new right in europe and the 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 failings of the european union the european union is not working and uh it needs some adjustments it needs some things done to it I don't know if people realize that the whole point of the European Union was to bind Europe together economically and socially and everything so close that they wouldn't they wouldn't war with each other. That was the whole point of it. Well, it's beginning to fall apart a little bit in that regard. On this adventure, he has Cassiopeia with him, and it always seems that in each of his experiences, we see a little more growth in cotton. He, he becomes a little more comfortable in his skin. It seems like he had a little bit of that experience in this book. Every Cotton Malone book, I explore something different in his personality, something I've never explored before. This book, I explored his relationship with Cassiopeia, with the two of them working together as a team, as a loving couple, not fussing and fighting, not arguing, not at each other's throat, but but really together. And I've never really done that before. And it was fun to have them together and to do that. And Cotton is getting more comfortable in his relationship with her and feeling more at ease and trust with her. This, this, that's what this book explored. The, the Cotton Malone of the Templar legacy when he was born and the Cotton Malone of the Kaiser's Web is a different guy. He's changed a lot over the last 16 books. Not to give anything away, but obviously the, the underlying theme of the book revolves around the concept of he who frames the issue wins the issue. I think in the end, through a couple of really major plot twists, the truth sets everyone free, at least in a manner of speaking. Uh, what do you hope that readers learn along the way as they enjoy this story? Well, as the, as the two characters learn that history can repeat itself, it actually can repeat itself, and not necessarily exactly as it did happen in the past, but even worse because folks can learn from how it went wrong and get and do it again and even worse in some respects and that's what we deal with here that you can't just ignore that you can't just say well it happened it'll never happen again no actually it will happen again if, if history teaches us that that things re repeat themselves over and over again and and that's what this book deals with is these two candidates discover the secrets and then the secrets kind of backfire there's like a there's like a triple 
reveal in this novel. Uh, you know, you, I, I wrote the book specifically so that one particular secret is not even foreshadowed. Mm. There's no hint. There's no nothing until about page 400. <laughs> And I got a kick out of a couple of early reviews when someone said, well, I figured it out very early on. Well, if you did, then you were sitting here with me watching me write it. <laughs> because I didn't give you any hint, any clue, nothing in any way that that was coming. Yeah. And I did it on purpose because I wanted it to be a total surprise. Well, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, say, I hit that page about 2 o'clock this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what's next? Are we going to see Cotton again? You're going to see Cotton in two years again. I'll do a standalone next year, which is uh, I'm creating a new character, a fun character who works for the United Nations. Same kind of thing, action, history, secrets, conspiracy, but a new guy and a little bit of a new world and realm. It's, it's, uh, it's modern day thriller, same. But uh, I'm moving publishers. I'm moving over to Grand Central next year, and they wanted to try something fresh, so we're creating something uh, kind of brand new. Uh, and he'll he'll be out next year, and then Cotton will be back in 23 and 24. That's author Steve Barry. His newest novel, The Kaiser's Web, is out today, Tuesday, February 23rd. For this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.